In the first reading, we hear how, how God's word goes out to the people through the apostles. The first reading is from Acts, the fifth chapter. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. That, as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high, high priest rose up, and all who were with them, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of, his, of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the synod of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And Zoan came and told them, Look, the men whom, in, whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they sat them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teachings. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. And here we are witnesses to those things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. This is the word of the Lord. The psalm for the second Sunday of Easter is Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let him praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, breasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all people, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. 
Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. In the second reading, we hear about John's vision of Christ's eternal glory. The second reading is from Revelations, the first chapter. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, to him who loves us and and made us kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit of the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame on fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. He said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, He showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sin of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the hands 
in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the marks of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. He said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. And go ahead and have a seat. In today's Bible lessons, did you guys hear almost near shocking difference between one story and the next, or even different parts within the stories? One part of the story in the, in the book of Acts, you have them in prison, and the next part they're set free and they're proclaiming. And John, you have them in this emptied room tomb, and then they're, they're in there locked up, and they're not quite set free yet. So even between the book of Acts and the book of John, you have differences and remarkable changes. In the gospel lesson after the betrayal, of Jesus, after the arrest of Jesus, after the mistreatment and condemnation and crucifixion of Jesus, these disciples, they're all in a tomb. It's basically a tomb. It's a sealed off room, windows shut, doors locked. It just has a roof and walls made of hands, not just carved out of a piece of stone in the side of a mountain. They're in a tomb. They're not living they're wounded, they're heartbroken, they're acting small, they're acting confused, they're timid and afraid, they're hiding in a tomb-like world. Their story is a very human story. No doubt there are times in our lives when we, similar to them, are wounded, when we might be heartbroken. There are times when we want to hide in the safety and the security of our homes want to be introverts and avoid folks, want to avoid people in the world. But, and that's a great erasing word, but. Just forget everything there's just been, now you pay attention. But, that's not God's plans for His church. Hiding in that tomb, that upper room, staying there is not God's plans for His church. That, those group of disciples, and then all the folks that believe in Christ and baptized in Christ ever since, we are the body of Christ. And His body is alive, and it's not meant to stay in a tomb. In the book of Acts, there's evidence of a very remarkable change. Just weeks later, perhaps, maybe days after this book and message in John, Luke tells us what was going on in their lives. The book of Acts, the disciples are very much alive. 
They are outside their homes now, and they're actually in the communities. They're at the middle of the temple, and they're praying to God there, and they're remembering all that Jesus had said and done to them there. In those temple spaces, they were telling everybody who had a pulse and a capacity to hear the good news of what Jesus had done for them. They are bold, and they're courageous. They are healed now, and they are hopeful. They're full of a life expectation. Yes, there are times when they've been wounded. We too. And yes, there are times when we like to hide in homes and hide in, in, in our hobbies and hide in addictions and hide in chores or in excessive amounts of work. That said, God in Christ Jesus, He's calling His beloved out in faith. Calling us out in life. Calling us out to love. God is inviting His church then and around the world today to leave the tombs that we've made, to come out with Him and fully live. Today, to help move us from a tomb and to life, and whatever that looks like for each one of us, and each one of us uniquely, because sometimes we live in the tombs of of a death, and we never want to come out. We're wounded. We want to stay small. Sometimes it's a, it's a move. Sometimes it's a change of careers. And a, There's a lot of reasons why people can stay small and in tombs, but God's calling us out. And to help us do that, we remember lives of at least two disciples, John and Thomas. Specifically today, we're going to focus on John because of time constraints. We'll just look at John. So John, he's known as the beloved disciple. He's also known as the evangelist. Curious, he's the one who was loved by the Lord and loved the Lord so much. And then from that place of knowing who Jesus was, he could do nothing but tell the world about Jesus. And he was known as the evangelist, the one who really went out amongst his peers. They called him the evangelist. He couldn't stay quiet about the love of God. John is best known for his love. He was a son of a fisherman named Zebedee. John and his brother James were called sons of thunder. They were strong, brave fishermen. John was one of the inner circle of Jesus' disciples. He was real close to Jesus. He was walking close to him, talking with him, praying with Jesus for three and a half years. He was touched bodily and spiritually by the living presence of the Son of God. He was there when Jesus found the little girl and said, little girl, get up. And he put out his hand and he brought her out of that place of sleep and death. And gave her her life. He was there. He was there when Jesus saw the lepers. And he cleansed them. He saw it. He even saw the one come back and say thank you. They all received the blessing. But only one came back. And he was there. He was there when Jesus calmed the storm. He was there when he fed the 5,000 men. Plus all the women and children. All the other ones were there. He was there at the wondrous transfiguration. When he saw Jesus light up the light. And the pure love and the power of God himself. He saw Moses and Elijah there. And heard the voice of the Father speak. He was there at the transfiguration. When Lazarus died. And they waited the fourth day until they came there. And his body was good and dead and smelling bad. He was there when Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. Unbind him from those clothes and live. He was there. He saw it. He had food with Lazarus and conversation with Lazarus after that. On Monday, Thursday, he was also there, struggling to capture the moment of Jesus washing his feet and making a new covenant of bread and wine called body and blood. 
wondering what was going to happen next that night. He was there close to Jesus to the very end. He's recorded as the only disciple who stayed with Jesus even to the cross. It was John standing next to his mother. Jesus said, into your woman, behold your son. He entrusted his mother into the care of John. He didn't have brothers. He had to give them to John. John would take care of his mom. And to his mom, he said, behold your son. They were to take care of each other's family like that. He was there as John. John, he was the one who outran Peter. He was the first disciple to recognize Jesus after his resurrection. And of the original disciples, it was John who was able to tell the good news of Christ Jesus the most number of years. He outlived them all. He probably wrote this book of John, uh, this gospel of John while he's in Ephesus. He wrote the book of Revelation when he was in exile on the island of Patmos. And though John had been tortured, and though he had been beaten, though he had been burned with oil, though he had been poisoned, he didn't talk about his suffering, and he didn't talk about his hardships. He didn't spend any time with that. He kept pointing everybody to Jesus. He left the small, safe confines of a tomb, and he enters the world announcing God so loved that he gave his only son, that whoever will believe in him, they'll not perish, they'll have eternal life. And at the very end, in his book of Revelation, he says, Jesus Christ, the Messiah of God, the Son of God, He's coming again and He's coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, He says. Death came peacefully to John sometime around the year 98 to 100. Again, he outlived all of those others. (coughs) Now, we remember that piece of John's story, that piece of history, that glimpse of his life. Not only to remind us of all the physical and historical realities of this gospel book, but to remind each and every one of us that John, Thomas, you and I are not the emphasis of the story. We are to be reflections of God in Christ Jesus. We are to be communicators of God's story. In the gospel book, the emphasis is on Jesus. Jesus enters human history. Jesus acts powerfully over his creation, over sin, death, and the devil. And today we remember that Jesus is giving birth to his church. He's given his church its reason and its purpose and peace and power. Remember in this book that we read, this gospel book, that God in through Jesus, he finds them. He knows where they're at. He knows they're hiding. He knows they're wounded. They're confused. They've got all this junk going on in their life. And so Jesus finds them in that place. They didn't find Jesus. He finds them. What kind of an awesome God is that that he wants to find us? And he can find us. He finds this frightened, wounded group of disciples. He bursts into this dead, tomb-like dwelling existence. And the first thing he says to them, the very first words of the resurrected Lord to this group of disciples is, Peace. Peace be with you. They had guilt. They had defeat. They had fear. They had all the other junk that burns people in this life. They did not have peace. And so Jesus, he comes to them and he establishes peace between himself and his beloved. After that word, they could know once again that they were loved. All the things that they had messed up on, They're gone. There's peace. You're loved. And you're forgiven. 
and your mind. They remember who they were and whose they were. The second thing that he does is just as Jesus commanded Lazarus to live, just as much as he came to that place where Jesus or Lazarus was in the tomb and he calls out to him, come out. And as much as he says to the world, unbind him and set him free, set him free. Jesus takes the hand and takes the hand of that child and raises her up and all those stories. So Jesus now enters this upper room, this tomb for his friends. And he breathes the breath of life into him. He's breathing his very energies himself, the Holy Spirit of God, we call it. It is the grace and the power of God. He breathes that onto his friends. Alive. And then from that place, he calls them out. He wants to have them unbound. He wants them to live fully and to go and declare the good news, which comes as to point three in the gospel lesson today, is that God, in and through the Holy Spirit, in and through Christ's followers, He's to bring the good news to the world. That's the progression. God and Jesus, Jesus to His disciples, His disciples to the church, and you and I, His church, to the ends of the earth. With God in the minds and the hearts of the disciples, the church is born. The body of Christ, the disciples are commanded in John 20, 21. He says to them, as the father has sent me, so I send you. Move throughout your homes. Tell your children and tell your grandchildren and tell everybody who enters your house, Jesus, and pray for them and and expose them to this way, the truth, and the life that is Jesus. And then from there, you go to your neighbors and your communities and to the ends of the earth. As the Father sent me to you and to the ends of the earth, I am sending you to the ends of the earth. Move throughout your communities and tell them, repent and believe the good news. Repentance is the invitation. Obedience is an expectation. Forgiveness is the good news. And the life offered now is for now and for all time. And we, the church, are to continue what God began in that locked down upper room tomb. You and I are to be reflections of Jesus. That when the world sees us, they get a glimpse of Jesus. And we are to communicate God's story. We know it and we share it. With that in mind, there's a person who did this exceptionally well. So if the the lessons today go from being in prison to set free, and when they were set free, they went to the temples immediately, even if they knew they were going to get beaten again and maybe even killed. They left. The angel said, your reason and purpose is to be the church. And they left that tomb. They, They don't even know how they got out. The doors were locked. The guards were still there. So they got moved by God's power and they were set free. They're in the temples and they're speaking. That's a huge change. And in the gospel lesson, they went from being timid and in this locked room. So not even Thomas could believe the good news because they didn't even reflect it in such ways he could believe them. But from that place, they go to the ends of the earth and they change the world. Someone who has heard this story, someone who has heard the good news about from Jesus and seen the examples of these apostles, someone in our times has written some words about what it's like to live as a disciple for Jesus in these times and days. His name was Ed Cole. And these are some of the words that he wrote. And I would hope that they would inspire each one of us as we depart this place and engage the rest of this church year, actually the rest of our lives. Here are the words. He says, I am a disciple of Christ. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. 
I have been given the Holy Spirit. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The love of God works in me. The Lord has called me. I am his disciple. I will not look back. I will not let up. I will not slow down and I will not back away. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense and my future is secure. I'm finished and I'm done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth and easy. No more colorless dreams, mundane talking, cheap giving or wasting time. I no longer need prosperity, position, promotion, preeminence or popularity. I don't have to be right. First, tops, recognized, praise, regarded or rewarded. I now live by faith. I lean on his presence. I walk in patience. I live in prayer. And I labor with power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is the kingdom of God. My road is narrow. My way, it is rough. My companions are few. My mission is clear. My guide is reliable. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch. In the face of sacrifice, I will not hesitate in the presence of adversaries. I will not negotiate at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I will not give up, shut up or let up until I stayed up, stored up, prayed up and paid up and spoken for this cause of Christ. I must go until he comes. Give until I drop Teach until all might know. Run until he calls me home. I am a disciple for Christ. You can tell that man was touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he lived his life likewise. So the prayer for us as his church, we do and be the same. No more small living, living in the tombs of houses and small places. Get out and let the world know that he is alive and he's coming home soon. Amen. Let us confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, and died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Let us pray for God's people. Risen Christ, our eternal Savior, like the disciples we are gathered together the week after Easter, wondering whether it is true, marveling at the possibility, and daring to hope. Like the disciples, we are sometimes afraid and sometimes full of doubt. Teach us not to hide from our doubt, but to recognize it as a door to mystery and to deeper faith. Risen Lord, in your mercy, 
Hear our prayer. Ever-sustaining Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Quiet our doubts and nurture the faith that holds us together. Give us courage and confidence to face the troubles and trials we encounter in the world around us. Risen Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray for those who have fallen away from the Word and church. We pray that you rekindle their faith in Jesus. Restore those who have wandered from your house and from your Word. Make this church a place of welcome for them to come home to. Risen Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Loving Savior, we pray for the wounded and hurting. Grant healing and relief to the sick and suffering according to your will. Hear us on behalf of those named in the prayer requests and those we name silently in our hearts. present and bring comfort to them in all of their sorrows and afflictions. Risen Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, as members of this congregation prepare for the upcoming town hall meeting, we ask for your guidance and direction. Let your Holy Spirit remind each of us of what you command us to do as your disciples. Be present in our discussions and decisions. We ask that you give us a vision for the future. Give us a willingness to dream and consider new possibilities for this church. Help us to trust and be obedient to your will as you reveal to us the church that you want Emmanuel Lutheran Church to be. Risen Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, we present these prayers through Jesus Christ our Lord. He is risen from the dead and lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.